there, this is Sherry with Life Plan, and I am here today with Sophia Berger from Michigan Migrant Ministries. And I am so excited to be able to be talking with her today and introducing all of you to Sophia and to the ministry they have. Um, just a little background, Michigan Migrant Ministries uh, contacted us this past year about coming and doing a presentation with their summer camp. So we were there as Life Plan talking with kids from, I believe it was like first grade through 12th grade about the value of life and the value that they have um, to God and um, the gospel message as well in there. And so it was just fabulous to be able to do that for four weeks during the summer. And we want you guys to see and to hear more about Michigan Migrant Ministries and about Sophia. So welcome Sophia. A little bit about Sophia. She is an identical twin who was born and raised in the mountains of southeastern Kentucky. By the grace of God, her Christian parents reared their children in the love and fear of the Lord, and God brought Sophia to himself while she was still a young child and developed in her a tender heart for the things of the Lord as well as a compulsion for mission work. She was homeschooled along with her five other siblings, graduated, and later attended one year at Southland Bible Institute in Ashland, Kentucky. After multiple short and long-term mission trips to Mexico, the Lord called her here to Michigan. And I'm not going to share any more of that because I'll let you share some more of your story in that. So, Sophia, we're glad you're here in Michigan, a little bit different than Kentucky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Would you start off by just telling us a little bit more about yourself and your testimony? Yes. Um, thank you for this in opportunity. I, the Lord was gracious to um, as as you mentioned, draw me to himself at a young age, and um, my parents, my dad is was a pastor in Kentucky, and mom faithfully served beside him, and they were very pivotal in um, in how God developed my life. As uh, my mom was a great prayer warrior, and and my dad loved to serve the Lord, and he just brought us kids in with him. We never felt like we were on the side like he brought us into the ministry with him and allowed us to serve together and um so they really helped to shape um where god has me today and it was actually a result of my older brother um my older brother led me to the lord wow. and i remember he was a child himself he was probably only 10 <laughs> years old and he had his little gideon new testament and shared scripture <laughs> verses with me and um the lord saved me that day and um, just, I remember God putting a very deep desire in my heart to know him as well as to do mission work, even from a young age. And um, so that was definitely God's spirit at work. Um, nothing that I had anything to do with. It was just something he put in my heart. Mm -hmm. And um, so the Lord um, just developed my uh, desire to serve through where he put us in, in our small community there, the little church family, and gave me many opportunities to serve in our in our own community. Fabulous. So how did you end up in Michigan, of all places? <laughs> yes, uh, it's a beautiful story that God wrote out of tragedy, actually. Um, it starts back in the year 2000. And my older sister, when she married, they moved here to Michigan, to Hartford. And they lived there for a few years, and then their trailer burned to the ground. Mm. And thankfully, none of the children, no one was hurt. They were gone when it happened. Um, but my sister 
and her husband, they had four children at the time and were expecting their fifth child. So it was um, quite a heavy burden. Um, a relative of theirs purchased the land where we live now here on the camp property. He purchased that and said, you can live there uh, rent free. You just pay for the, the upkeep and the repairs. And so when my sister and her family moved here, um, they realized they were in the hub of the migrant community yeah, and yeah. which they had not noticed in Hartford, but here in the Millburg area, um, we were just surrounded by seasonal workers and their families. And so over a few years, God developed in my sister a heavy burden to reach out to these families. And at that time, I was still in Kentucky. And so my sister, her name is Bambi, um, Bambi kept calling me and saying, please come up here and help me. Um, you know, I have a burden to reach out to these kids. And I remember telling her, um, why would I want to do that? Like, I'm enjoying serving the Lord here in Kentucky with, with our parents and love what we're doing here and what God has brought into our lives. And But she kept after me, like, well, just consider coming up for one summer. Um, so I came up for one summer. That was the year 2002. And I volunteered at the Head Start School for the migrant children. There are multiple locations of these Head Start schools. But the one that I worked in was in Waterville, and they graciously allowed me to volunteer there for, for that summer. I practically lived there. Uh, I was there about eight hours a day all summer long, and um, many of the workers said, why don't you just get a job here? But by volunteering, I was able to have the flexibility to be in all the classrooms, as well as ride any of the bus routes that I wanted to ride. And that was God's way of showing me, um, helping me learn my way around for one thing, and then discovering where all the migrant farms were. And so after that summer, God revealed to me that this was my calling in life. And Sherry, I have to tell you, I was not pleased at first. <laughs> I complained a lot because from a child, I had the vision of foreign mission work. And so when God revealed that I was supposed to be a home missionary, I was very disappointed. Um, and so it took about two years for me to embrace God's calling, not just um, obey the Lord, but actually to enjoy it mm -hmm. and to embrace it with um, excitement, eagerness. And um, but it, after that first summer, God called me. I knew that I was supposed to come back each summer and work with the families and uh, the Lord just grew it from there for us to um, get to know all the families in the local school district. And then we started having Bible clubs in the farms. And after that was when God, in 2007, when God started the day camp. Um, so his way is better than ours. And uh, I, I did not obey immediately or with a happy heart, but God is very patient. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so thankful for that. <laughs> And he has really, he's really blessed the ministry too. I mean, you guys have grown a lot. Can you share more about Michigan Migrant Ministries South? What is the mission and how do you guys carry that out? Yes. Um, well, the Migrant Ministries was actually started as a result of my sister. So, um, and the burden God gave her, we, we can take no credit for it, but actually was just 
our families, how it started, just a burden God gave our family. And then God brought in more and more people to help. And um, so once day camp started in 2007 and started to grow, we saw a need to kind of make it an official organization just for people who were donating funds and things like that. It could be um, things were better kept track of and, and it would be a mutual benefit to the givers and to the ministry. And so in 2015 is when it became a nonprofit. Um, but the, the way that Michigan Migrant Ministries operates is mostly with the families during um, May through the end of October, but more and more families are staying here year-round, so that's great. That gives us an opportunity to minister to them more than just during the summer. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, what I might be missing a few things. What else, what was the rest of your question? <laughs> well, let's go to the day camp. <clears throat> so okay. talk about the day camp, the summer day camp that you guys do. How do what does that look like, and how did that start, all of that? Right. Okay. Uh, first, the first thing that comes to my mind about the day camp, Sherry, is the fact that it requires the body of Christ working <laughs> together. Sure, it is yeah. an enormous effort and it requires the hands, the feet, the nose, the eyes, the ears of God's people, because otherwise it, it would not be possible. Um, when we first started day camp, we only had one school district coming and just for one week but God grew it to where it's now four weeks and every week is a different school district. Um, for example, our, our first week we ministered to kids in our own neighborhood and then the second week we reach out to kids who attend school in Coloma and Watervliet. Then the next week is All Claire and Sodas and then our last week of migrant camp is the Sister Lakes and Dwajak and Hartford areas. Um, so um, Day camp, unfortunately, is only for four hours a day um, until we are able to obtain our um, official camp license. Sure. We're only allowed to operate for four hours a day. And But one thing I've told our workers is that we do not babysit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we are not spending all this time, effort, and money to get the kids here just to entertain them. Um, it is, it's my desire, and I know the desire of the workers as well who, who work with us, it's our desire to, to teach the kids about the Lord. That's our number one goal, and it's not to entertain or help them have fun, although that, that's a nice side note. Yeah, the main yeah. goal is, yeah, the main goal is, is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, so day camp um, goes from 10 to 2, Monday to Friday. And um, it um, requires a lot more than just those four hours, though, because we also, the only way for the kids to get here is through our bus routes. And so we organize bus routes and we need bus drivers and um, things like that to uh, workers who can come and help us get the kids here. Yeah. And you guys, you mentioned, you know, you share Jesus. And that was so evident when we were there. We could just see in the short amount of time that we were there the love that your volunteers had for the kids mm -hmm. and half yeah. of the kids. And just, I mean, it's just a very special place. You could feel that when you just stepped on the campus there. So what does a normal day of camp look like? He said it goes from 10 until two. Walk us through that day. What's it like? What are the activities? What do you guys do? 
Sure. Um, I'll I'll start us back us up to the staff meeting at eight o'clock that more in the morning because <laughs> it's um our day it's a long day even though the kids are only here for four hours but we have a staff meeting at eight and then around eight thirty to eight forty five the bus routes leave. Um, kids get back a little before ten o'clock in the morning. We from ten to eleven we have our Bible our main Bible lesson. Um, we memorize a verse together each day and then have some songs. And so that takes up the first hour of camp. And then we have an hour of field games and activities. And after that, we provide lunch for the kids. And even during lunch, um, we try to, our camp time is so short, we try to utilize every moment we have with them. So even during lunch, we're playing the songs and um, reviewing the Bible verses and just talking with the kids and mingling with them. Immediately after lunch, we have about a half an hour of um, what we call our missions time. That could be anything from like with your group, we had you come in at that, that half hour segment. Um, we do um, missionary stories during that time or um, the biography of a, a Christian that has had an impact on, who has had an impact on our on our world. Um, so that's from 1230 to 1. And then from 1 to 120, we have a small group time. And I really like that small group time because it causes us to slow down, um, ask questions with the kids. They have anything they need to talk about. Um, it's also a time to review the lessons they heard from earlier in the day. Uh, they get to quote their Bible verse during that 20-minute segment. Um, but our, our workers have often said that that small group time is is really good for connecting on a more personal level with their children in their group. Um, and then is our last activity of the day from from 1:20 to 2 o'clock. The kids have an opportunity to choose their if they're going to do the zip line, the slip and slide, um, the hayride, uh, football, soccer, volleyball, basketball. So that's their their last activity activity of the day is like free time for them. So fun. Um, yeah. Bring them back in at two o'clock and get back on the buses. And when the bus routes get home, then we have another staff meeting and kind of debrief, uh, pray for the children and talk about how to prepare for the next day. Um, so it's it's a long day, but um, exciting and it's it's so worth it. <laughs> yeah, that that is a long day. Now, you, the volunteers, the people that come in for the staff, are they all volunteers? They are. The, um None of them have ever been paid. Um, many of them take off the whole month of August. They take off work to help the whole month. Some come for just one week, um, some come for two, but everybody who comes is a volunteer and they're, you know, stopping their summer schedules to be able to, to come and participate. <laughs> yeah, wow, wow, fabulous. So what are the ages of the students that you minister to? We, um, day camp is for ages five years up through, um, till, well, 18 or until they graduate. Okay. Um, normally though, because we're working with migrant families, um, the seasonal workers, they often have their children start working when they're 13 or 14. So even though camp is offered up to the age of 18, we normally don't have students older we don't have very many students older than 14 or 15. Mostly they're, they're already in the packing house, packing up tomatoes or, or cucumbers um, or in the fields. So um, we 
our, our biggest age group would be that, you know, the from five to five to 14. And then we get some older students who might not yet be working. Okay. Can you describe what the typical student would be like in their families? Yes, that's a great question. Um, first of all, the, the seasonal workers families are, to me, they seem very um, humble. Mm. They, they are grateful for day camp. That's the highlight of their summer. Mm. And so when they come to camp, it's not with a, a mentality of like, I have to be here or, um, you know, I have to learn about God. It's, they come with a great eagerness. Um, these families also are in general, anyway, the Mexican culture is very generous and giving. And so um, these students have learned that from their families. And so often when I go to visit them in the farm, they'll offer me a bottle of water or, um, you know, uh, they'll give me a bag of tomatoes or a little box of blueberries. They're just a very generous culture and they've passed that on to their children. Um, the children themselves have a difficult time in school, uh, many of them, not all of them, but they, because of being uprooted in different school districts, going back and forth from season to season, some of them kind of fall through the cracks. And so even though they're very, very intelligent children, they just um, lose some of their education because of being um, switched back and forth from school mm -hmm. to school. And so not too many of them are good readers. Um, it's been a burden of mine for many years to help them become better readers for the main purpose of being able to read God's word. Mm -hmm. um, but that's definitely a, a need in their lives is, is being able to have tutoring in, in their reading abilities. Um, something else about the families look at my oh um the children are very eager to start working mm. they they look at work as a transition from childhood to adulthood like mm. they they look forward to when they can start earning their own money either to help buy their own clothes or things they need for school or to help give back to their family some of them help pay bills with the money they earn um so they're not for the most part, they're not selfish in in what they're earning. And also many of the older girls stay home to babysit so that their parents can go to work. And so it's very contrary to our culture where in our culture, we, um, our young people often are selfish with the money they earn or don't even want to go to work. Mm -hmm. But these families not only want to work, but they're also willing they they work for the good of the whole family and not just to benefit themselves sure wow would you explain real briefly for people that are watching that might not understand the seasonal workers and how that works so they typically spend part of the year in a warmer climate and then come up here in the summertime just kind of explain that a little bit yes um the most of the migrant families we work with are from florida although some do come from texas but these families don't go all the way back to Mexico and come to the States each year. They, they just um, live in, in somewhere in the United States during, from April, uh, let's see, they leave Michigan to pick the last crop, which is the, ap the apples are the last crop. So that's and toward the end of October. 
Um, once the crops are finished here in Michigan, most of them go back to Florida. And then in Florida, the they follow the agricultural seasons. So in Florida, about the time the work is finished here, they're ready to start for strawberries in Florida. Um, some of the families there do strawberries and oranges, um, but in about, um, I guess in January, maybe there's, they start working in the strawberries. And um, so they follow the seasons. And when the work, the work is finished toward, you know, May, around May, the work finishes in Florida and then they wait till June till their kids are out of school. And then they come back here to Michigan and work the seasons um, till all the vegetables and things are done here. So they're, they're about six months there and six months here. Um, and so that, that can be difficult for the kids with their school schedules. Mm -hmm. Sure, which would lead to a lot of the issues you said with the reading and difficulties they have. Yeah, and when you mentioned, I mean, these, we were just, it was really neat to see because they were very friendly, very accepting. Um, I brought my boys with, with me several times. Each time I had a different boy with me. <laughs> and they just, you know, accepted them and fit right in. And I remember the last day had fun playing soccer. The last time we were there, a couple of my boys with them during the lunch break. So they really are just neat, neat kids, neat families. So what a, what a great ministry that you have. Now, what do you do to follow up with the students after camp and after the summer's over? Do you have a follow-up plan in place? What do you guys do? Well, that's a great question. Um, I wish we could be doing more, but right now, the, um, or I should say within the last, last several years, what we've been doing is um, usually when camp finishes, we only have a week or two before the regular school season starts. So the kids are busy all day long till their bus gets home, maybe 4.30, between 4 and 4.30. Um, so we have a very short amount of time each day to work with them. Um, we try to pick 14 farms um, where we could go back to those farms and fit in two Bible classes every night. So for example, if we chose um, one of the farms we work with is um, Piggott and Williams. And so if we were to say we're going to have a Bible study at five o'clock at the Piggott farm and then seven o'clock at the Williams farm, then we would be back at their farm every Monday at five and then at the other one at seven. So the kids know what day to be watching for us. But so even though we can only fit two Bible studies in a night, um, you know, the max that you could do in even one week's time would be 14 farms. And so many farms get left out as far as we can't reach everybody when we have, you know, over 300 students. And um, so that part disturbs me that we're not, we don't have more people to be able to, to go out and follow up better with these children. Um, and so we'll, but we'll be out in the farms with them for a few hours um, every week in order to answer their questions, um, pray with them, do a Bible study, play with them. And, um, and so we do that all the way up to the time that they leave in October. Wow. Wow. Wonderful. One question real quick. I didn't give you this ahead of time, but how did COVID change things for you guys this summer? Oh, it was hard. Um, that's a, one of the things, the biggest things that it changed for us was fewer students because the Head Start school, 
the Migrant Head Start School did not open this year, which meant that many of our students, our older students, had to stay home in order to babysit the mm -hmm. children who were five years and younger. Um, anyone who had kids five years and older, they could come to camp, but the families who had siblings younger than five years, they had no one to babysit. So the older students had to forego coming to camp in order to babysit their younger siblings. And so that was, that was the biggest way that COVID um, hindered us this summer. Um, the kids were very disappointed that they had to stay home sure. from camp. But one, one of the things that we tried though was to live stream. And so we made our Bible lessons during camp available on live stream and uh, just hope that some kids were able to receive a blessing by joining us through live stream, even though they couldn't be here in person. So how many students did you have this summer? We had a total of 131. Uh, normally we have between 315 wow. and like 380, like, um, so about a third Mm -hmm. about a third of what we normally have. <laughs> yeah, wow. But, but it is know, fantastic that you were able to still have camp. And still oh, have camp. yes. We we told the kids it was an answer to prayer. And you know, Sherry, in some ways, it was a blessing to have a smaller group because we could focus more one-on-one -on -one with, with the children who were there, be able to dedicate more time to them personally instead of having to spread ourselves out so thin. Um, so the Lord knows. And yeah. we weren't we weren't disappointed with um, with fewer numbers because we were still able to have camp mm -hmm. and we were still able to, to minister um, to the kids who came. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. So what types of volunteer, let's talk about volunteer needs first. You run on volunteers, your camp. So what type of volunteer needs do you have? And if somebody wanted to volunteer with you, how do they go about doing that? Yes, uh, first I should say that they do not have to be bilingual to work with us. <laughs> um, the children themselves are bilingual and often, um, normally by the time the kids are seven years old, they much prefer English. Mm -hmm. And um, and one thing I wanted to add about the students, when you asked about what kind of students, um, some of these kids are trilingual because wow. um, they know Spanish, English, and then the dialect, if their parents come from a, an indigenous group mm -hmm. in Mexico, and so some of these children um, can even speak a, a dialect or at least understand it. Um, but the workers who, the volunteers, they don't have to be bilingual because the kids are. And so um, as far as ways to volunteer or opportunities, um, as I mentioned, we need bus drivers every summer. Um, we need cooks. We need acti an activity director. We need leaders of different age groups. Um, we, we can use a bilingual teacher for just the kindergarten class, the five and six-year-olds, because they're still, they're still using both languages quite a bit as they're being integrated into the school system. Um, we can use um, maintenance men, you know, people who are willing to come work on the plumbing, electricity, or um, do yard work, cut grass. Um, so lots, lots of ways to serve, um, helping to cook meals, for the staff after camp hours mm -hmm. um, and people to pray. Uh, those are all, all ways that people can be involved. If somebody wants to volunteer, how do they go about doing that? How do they contact you for that? 
Uh, they can go to the Migrant Ministries website and there is a, um, a tab that says ways to be involved and they can contact me through there. I think my cell phone number is on there um, through my cell or email um, would, be, would be two great ways to get a hold of us. Wonderful. And the website is? It's um, michiganmigrantministries.com. Okay, michiganmigrantministries.com. What about donors? Someone who says, I can't really volunteer during the summer, but this is a mission I really want to get behind and support financially. Do you accept financial donations? Yes, <laughs> How should they go do. about doing that? Yes, um, they, that they could just contact us or um, that the address is on the website. They can send a check to Michigan Migrant Ministries and um, it will be put to good use. Um, much of the money is during the summer is spent on gas for the bus routes, mm -hmm. um, food to feed the kids each day. And then also a really big expense for us each year is, um, which I failed to mention, was the parent dinner that we do every Friday night. Um, so the parents are invited to come on the last day of camp and they get to see their kids do a program where the kids are singing their songs and quoting their Bible verses. Then we share the gospel in Spanish and um, feed the whole families, like the whole family from each farm. Um, so that that costs several hundred dollars each Friday, mm -hmm. but it's, it's so worth it um, to know that God's word is being given out to the families. So those are some of the ways that the money is used um, when people donate. Wonderful. So if you are interested in donating, go to their website again, and uh, you can do that. So, and also to say the people that sponsor that um, donate to us to Life Plan help to make it possible for us to go out there and to minister out there as well this summer. And we were able, we actually got some wristbands and took wristbands to the kids that said, I am wonderfully made on it and had Psalm 139 13 and 14 on the inside of it, which was really cool because that was the verse you guys were focusing on for the day that we were there. We did not know that ahead of time and it just neat how God brought all that together. So one more question here before we go, what is something that you want to make sure that everybody knows about Michigan Migrant Ministries? I would say that God started it <laughs> because, um, a lot of times people focus on on me helping to lead the the organization and it you know I came kicking and screaming mm -hmm. to Michigan I can't receive any glory for what God is doing God God is the one who started it and he keeps it going and um, I just want him to receive all the praise for the things that he has done the people he has brought the money he has provided and he just um, should be honored and glorified for pursuing this people group um, maybe that had been overlooked. And um, so he, he deserves all the praise. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Sophia, for meeting with us today and sharing your heart for ministry and letting us know more about Michigan Migrant Ministries. And if you want to get in touch with Sophia through the website, you can do that. You can also contact us at Life Plan and we'll get you in touch with Sophia as well. Thank you for joining us today and have a great day. Mm -hmm.